I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. My name is Benji, and today we'll have to do it with only me because Lantern is unable to make it. Unfortunately, it's nothing bad, so no need to worry about any illnesses or anything. He's he's all right, so that's positive news. Despite that, I've always got the support of you all, but also by our wonderful sponsor for the Valta and the past Giro, that is Lacole. Lacole is a brand known to create cycling apparel for teams in the World Tour, but also for you. In general, their goal is to make the perfect kit when it comes to the performance on the road. They focus on road only. They've got plenty of products that I use myself, and I already used it before they started sponsoring us. That's a pretty important detail. Additionally, I feel like it's one of the perfect partners for us because they allow us to bring our content the way we want it with a focus on quality just as much that they are doing on their end because their kits are genuinely amazing. And that is also why Bahrain McLaren is using it in World Tour. And otherwise, I don't think Bahrain McLaren would be using their kit if it was not a good performance road kit. But all in all, thank you, Lacole, for sponsoring our concept on our series and let's dive into today's stage of La Vuelta. I'm pretty sure that most of you are listening for the incident in the sprint and let me already spoil something major. I've been blocked by the cunning quickstep on Twitter as a consequence of uh, retweeting their their social media message and saying that it's an incorrect assessment so that's a new one but I'll take this on objectively. I, I won't let this influence my uh, my view on this stage. I had a pretty uh clear view of what happened in the stage already and how I felt about it. But let's start off by the beginning. We've got two brake riders, that is Bagues from Cajarudal and also Juan Felipe Osorio from Burgos BH. Those are two riders that you can expect in this kind of stage. There's no one in the peloton really waiting to get in a breakaway on a stage that is destined to go to these sprinters. And we see that directly once these two in the breakaway, two pro Conti riders, no one else really, so there was no clear battle for anybody major to go into the breakaway to try and make this one special. It was clear that the only people up there were going to be pro Conti riders that tried to show their brand and their sponsor to the Spanish public. We saw directly after, in the peloton, we saw the controlling teams, UAE, but mainly the Koenig, trying to control the pace to make sure that breakaway does not get too much time. And throughout the whole stage, they kept it at around 2 minutes and 30 seconds, something around that, to make sure that they can reel them in towards the end of the stage. And I can spoil it already, that perfectly happened the way that the sprinter teams were planning it. Now, I do have to mention that there was a crash in the middle of the stage. Hector Saiz, a Cajarural rider, was not looking to ride when he crashed and his helmet broke. But he did continue onwards, and he stepped on his bike again after 4 minutes of talking to a medical person at the back of the race he decided to get back on his bike or the team decided to put him back on his bike whether he has concussions or not no one really knows i think that the doctor would be able to assess that pretty easily it looked like his head was not the major issue he had um yeah with his hip or something also something because he was touching that all the time 
But let's hope it's nothing major. He was able to get back to the Peloton tree magic of drafting your own team car for five minutes. But yeah, that is allowed if you crash apparently. But yeah, uh, I'm I'm against it. I gotta be honest, I'm against it because it's so inconsistently applied all these drafting rules, and it's not the only rule that is being applied inconsistently by the UCI and. Now you allow a rider that is around four minutes back when he crashed to return to the peloton at the back of a car. And there's people that have been DQ'd for that action in the past. There's people that have been relegated for that action, that have had penalties for that action. And just because he crashed, he's not going to get that support. Then make it consistent, then apply to everybody that crashes. But then you're going to have a situation where someone pretends to crash at a certain point, And that has happened, I think. There was Pavel Bernas, I think was the name, a CCC rider a few years back that in the Tour de France pretended to crash and lay down with all the other people that has crashed and then went back on his bike and continued riding. That was a special moment. Look it up if you haven't seen it, but that was uh, that's imprinted in my memory. But let's leave that drafting mess behind and let's go towards the incident of the day. We're launching towards a sprint. The Koenig Quickstep and UAE are the teams that are bringing their leader forward. Same with Bora Hansgrohe. So we've got Bennett at the Koenig, we've got Ackermann at the team of Bora, and UAE is trying to do this for their sprinter here, that is Philipson. So those are the three on paper best sprinters here. You've got other potential candidates like a Aberasturi, a Mareshko, not Moschetti anymore, he has DNS'd a few days ago, but also a Herben Tyson. he was fifth the last sprint stage, and I was hoping he could do a top five here for Lotto Sudal. So quite a few candidates today and it became a pretty messy sprint because before the sprint we already saw an action that we've seen before in Paris-Nice this year. Sam Bennett headbutting or shoulder butting into a rider that was trying to take his line in the setup to the sprint. That's completely allowed what the rider of Trek did. So just imagine it in your mind. You've got a five-man train at the front. Not all the Koenig riders but there's two of the Koenig riders in there, a lead-out with Bennett in the wheel. Most likely that lead-out would be Merku, I would be expecting. I didn't notice for sure from the helicopter view if it was Merku that was ahead of Bennett at that time. But a Trek rider came past Bennett on the left and tried to take the wheel of Merku, but didn't really push Bennett out of the way. He just, he just sat in the wheel and kindly moved to the right a tiny bit, not really pushing Bennett into a barrier or anything. He... He never really got into any danger and, well, Bennett said, no, that's my wheel. So he used his head and his shoulder to push that Trek rider out of the way and the Trek rider has to swerve like a meter to the left to try and take on the impact of that push and he tries again to take that wheel of Merku because like, if you're the Trek rider and someone just pushed you aside, you're gonna be like, hell no, this ain't happening, so... He puts himself in the wheel of Merku again, but Bennett was again not happy with that and pushed him out of the way again. So, yeah, that was a, a very incidental run into the sprint. Let's talk about that after the results of this sprint are known. Into the last kilometer, we saw that the Koenig Quickstep was setting up quite perfectly. Merku and Bennett seemed to fall a bit behind the leadout of UAE with, I think, Ryabushenko bringing Philipson around on the left of Bennett. And we also saw on that same left side that Ackermann was being brought forward by his leadout Zeli. So all three sprinters being from brought to the front with at least one leadout. I think Ryabushenko was the first one to leave the front. At that moment, Rudiger Zeli was the leadout that took control pretty much, but 
not overly. It's not like you have a lead out that massively pushes forward and pushes the rest out of the way and pushes them backwards. No, it is a situation where the Bora lead out had a bit of a meter on Merck, who was on the right back of him and was basically waiting to launch Bennett. But what I found weird with the strategy that Merck was applying to send Bennett to a potential victory here is that he, he never actually pushed really hard in that last sense. He just kept that same pace that he was riding next to Zelig and Bennett came out of his wheel. And that's something that only Marku seems to do when it comes to leadouts. Usually you see a leadout really try and push it for the last 100 meters of a leadout setup. But Marku has done this quite a few times where he's just riding a, a proper watched pace, but not a pace where he tries to accelerate in that last section. And maybe that's a setup that Bennett needs in his sprints, but I don't know. I can't judge that if that's a good strategy or not. But Bennett came around, Bennett comes past Merck, who we see on the left that Akamon is being launched as well. They go head-to-head -head for this sprint, and it is Bennett taking it on the line ahead of Akamon. And on the left side of the road, Herbin Tyson passes every living soul and ended up third in the sprint as a Belgian sprinter. So I'm fairly impressed by the youngster, that is for certain. Philipson ends fifth on this sprint. All in all, a sprint that was mainly talked about the incident by Bennett with a kilometer to go. So yeah, these results are overshadowed by the fact that Bennett was pushing that Trek right out of the way earlier on in the race. And eventually Trek Segafredo was obviously not happy with this. They went to the UCI Commissaires and they said, well, look at what he did there. And the UCI Commissaires, they decided to try and discuss it a bit. They eventually made a decision and Bennett was relegated accordingly. Now, in regards to the rules, you've got in the middle of the sprint, obviously the well-known deviation rule where you can't deviate and then you can't endanger somebody doing so. You've also got a general danger rule and this applies to that because he's trying to push a rider out of the way. Now, you could argue that the Trek rider was taking the position of Bennett, but that's technically allowed. That is completely allowed. So as long as a Trek rider doesn't endanger Bennett in doing so, which he completely did not, he did not endanger Bennett, then it's completely allowed what Emil's Lippens, that Trek rider, is doing here. What is not allowed is headbutting a rider to the left side. Again, I don't know if it's headbutting or shoulder pushing, but if you push someone and he, he flies a meter, a meter and a half to the left side of the road, then clearly you've pushed a bit too hard. And the commissaire has decided accordingly and the relegation happened. So relegation, that means that a rider is being put to the last position in the group, gets some extra bonuses with a Swiss franc fine, and most likely also some points in the points classification, which to me personally are completely deserved. Now, to the story that I talked about earlier, I've been blocked by the Koenig Quickstep on Twitter as a consequence because I decided to call out the De Koenig social media person, which, lesson learned, you shouldn't do that ever because that person controls whether you're blocked or not. But what I said was, because they said on Twitter, after a complaint from another team, this is the words of De Koenig, whose rider tried to barge into Sam Bennett's train, who defended his position, Sam has been regulated, relegated by the race commissaires. Come on, like, he didn't barge into the Sam Bennett train. He just tried to take a wheel of Maku, and that is completely allowed. What is not allowed is pushing someone away like that out of your train. 
You can obviously use some shoulder pushing, which for me personally shouldn't really be allowed as much as it is right now. But this is to the extreme. You're trying to push the rider basically out of the way. And if it's any smaller rider, if it's not Lippens and it's, for example, I don't know, Nairo Quintana again, like Bennett did in the Paris-Nice stage where he tried to push Nairo Quintana out of the way. If that was Nairo Quintana, then half of the bunch crashes because Bennett pushes that rider out of the way. So, to me, this is a, this is over the limit, blatantly over the limit. Yes, I'm saying blatantly because this sentence deserves it. Without shame, this deserves that relegation. And uh, I couldn't stand it that the Koenig was on Twitter like, no, nah, it's it's Trek's fault. Why why would he barge into our train? No, nah, that's, that's an excuse. And they're being crucified for it on Twitter, literally. And yeah, I decided to post that. The social media manager clearly doesn't realize that his team is not a rugby team, but apparently he took that a bit too offensive, and yeah, I'm blocked by the Koenig, so I'll have to get a second account to try and follow the De Koenig quickstep drama on Twitter in the following days, so a bit unfortunate, it takes, I don't know, five minutes to make an extra account, but yeah, not that big of a deal, I won't lose sleep over it, that is for sure. Obviously, this is just my opinion. If you see this situation any differently, if you see this as something that should be allowed, explain to me why. We're open to feedback, we're open to constructive feedback, and we're open to counterpoints to our perspective, because if one is not open to other perspectives, then one is clearly not being fair, and therefore, I'm very much open to your judgment on my judgment. So uh, go ahead and post it in the comments below what you think about it. We already knew that throughout this whole Velta, the points classification was not going to go towards Sam Bennett or a sprinter anyway, because there's only three sprint stages. So I don't think the sprint points punishment is going to hurt Bennett too much. Generally, I just don't think it will, will influence him too much. It won't make him angry. What will make him angry is the fact that he's lost a stage win. But outside of that, not too much has changed today. No KOM changes, no GC changes. Just that that brutal move by uh, by Sam Bennett that pretty much decapitated the stage. And I forgot to tell you, which is kind of important, the eventual stage winner is, of course, the second person in the stage. That was Ackerman. Gerben Tyson comes into second because of that. Beautiful move by the youngster. I'm looking forward to see what he can offer in the future. And the same goes for Max Kanter, the third rider on the road today. He was a sprinter a few years back that was coming up. Had an injury that really took a lot out of him a certain year. I think it was 2018. He's been trying to get back from that ever since. And it looks like he's getting back. Getting third on a Vuelta stage is certainly worth flexing about. Jasper Philipson in fourth. Jakub Mareshko in fifth. And Alexis Renard in sixth. That's a surprise to me. Didn't expect it. I'll check him out after this one because... I swear I haven't seen him too much on the upper rankings and sprints in the past, but uh, if it's a new sprinter, then Israel won't be too sad about that in their team. Obviously, I can't discuss with Lantern about all of this, so he'll have to take on my sole opinion on this one, so I'll have to head into the Stage 10 preview right now. This Stage 10 is actually a stage that I think will not be fought over by GC as much as, well, perhaps I fought a few weeks back, because... I think with the mountain stage that has passed already and the knowing that on stage 12 they got a brutal mountain stage to Angliru and on stage 11 they've got a brutal mountain stage to the Alto La Farapona 
then I don't think they're gonna try and fight on stage 10 for GC and the other reason for that is that it's a, it's a hill parkour. We've got two hills at the start and it's nothing major at the start. I think a break is gonna get away on those hills and will probably be a pretty large break because I'm saying that this stage will most likely go to the breakaway and I totally believe so as well. 185 kilometers, the proper climbs are with about a good 70-60 kilometers to go with Alto de San Cipriano. 4.5 kilometers at 4.1 percentage, that's fat cat. And then another climb after that, 4.6 kilometers at 3.4 percent. So not the hardest climbs, but for me clearly a stage that will go to the breakaway. The last 50-30 kilometers, those are pretty much a plethora of small hills and ups and downs and false flat sections. So it's going to be a fierce battle for the breakaway if they end up fighting for it like that. This is near the coast of Spain. I haven't checked whether echelons are possible, but that would be a really effective way for Ineos to try and hide Jumbo, even if this goes to the breakaway. So I'll check, well, later and I'll post it on Twitter if I see anything major regarding echelons or potential tactics. The finish itself is a hill upwards. It is looking like it's a steep section, the last kilometer, but I can't exactly find anything big when it comes to a profile, but I can see here that it's 1.5 kilometer, the last 1.5 kilometers at 5.9%. So it's still a pretty solid mood at the end of this stage. So I'm looking forward to see who in the breakaway can take this one home. If I have to select a name from this, I'm probably going to go ahead and say something along the lines of, I don't want to say Aramburu again. Maybe a Bajoli will try and go in the breakaway. He's been pretty good at the first days of this Velta regarding GC. Has been falling through totally now. Top 40 now only, not major anymore. And I think that allows him to go into the breakaway on these kind of stages. So I believe that we're going to see him in the breakaway. Bajoli and perhaps a Robert Standard once again, but this time on a stage that fits him better than the mountain stage that we had yesterday. So a pretty... Average stage today, just encompassed by all the drama with Bennett, which is unfortunate for a sprint that was looking like it was a pretty proper victory by Bennett. So he honestly did it to himself, and I don't feel too bad for him for being relegated here. He deserves it third time this year that he does something alike. So if he keeps getting unpunished from this, I think he got punished in the Paris stage with, I don't know if it was a DQ or a relegation, it was something at least. In the Tour de France, he had one shady move in stage 3 or 5 or something. The one Ewan zigzagged through everybody. Or was it that stage? I'm not even sure. We saw Bennett slide to the left side of the road to try and block someone. And here he does it even before the sprint to try and keep his position in the wheel of Merku. And of course, you can try and defend your position by just staying in the wheel and pushing the rider out of the way a bit with your shoulder. But this is... This is far above the limit for me, and that's why I'm perhaps a bit strict about it. I don't enjoy this, and I would probably enjoy the sport a bit more if we didn't have to speak about these sprinting incidents every single sprint these days, because I think at least 50% of the sprint stages we've been speaking about on this podcast have been brought to more attention because of an incident that happens in the sprint, before the sprint, or yeah, somewhere in between. So, I don't know. I think that's roughly about it for this one. That is the end of this solo take on the Vuelta Stage 9. 
We're going to have stage 10 tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it. I think Lantern will be with me again. On paper, he should. So I'll make sure he is. So I guess we can get his opinion on this maybe at the start of the next podcast. Or he'll probably be tweeting about it himself tomorrow as well. So thank you very much for being here. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much, LeCole, for sponsoring today's episode of the Welter Podcast once again. And I think we're going to see you soon. Ciao.